welcome to the Preston Minster podcast. We want you to find your home, find your purpose and transform your city. Well, good morning. Very warm welcome. Let me extend my welcome to that that Tim and Beps have already given. It's a great pleasure uh, to be with you uh, this morning. I thought we're going to jump into God's word in, in just a moment's time, but it'd be wrong of me just to sort of move on without really acknowledging that for, for all of us as, uh, as a city, as a region, uh, it's, we're obviously in a really uh, particularly tricky and difficult season uh, at the moment. So you'll have seen the news yesterday. Hopefully that um, the whole of the Lancashire region has entered into tier three lockdown, which is or tier three kind of restrictions, which are the most severe form of uh, restrictions. Um, and, and the sort of goal behind the restrictions is to reduce the spread of infection and, and so on. Um, how should we respond as, as Christians? First of all, it is okay uh, to be a little bit down and disappointed. I think I heard, and we all heard the, the news, that the restrictions were increasing, not decreasing. And naturally, that brings with it uh, a sense of disappointment and frustration and perhaps a whole raft of other emotions um, as well. And that's okay. The Lord, is, the Lord is okay with your emotions and your turmoil. There's also ways in which people in a room this size are no doubt uh, impacted, whether that's your business, your job, uh, your, your mental health and so on, uh, are affected by um, the, uh, the, the restrictions increasing in the way that they have. Uh, a couple of things, really. Number one, um, and, and Tim referenced it in the prayers as well, we are called to live in submission to the authority that is put in place over us, whether we like it or not. That's a biblical commandment. Romans 13 talks about how we are, uh, God institutes uh, people to be in charge, and that's, that's God, God's job. Um, we get a, a part in it because we vote, but ultimately we, we respect and we um, uh, kind of submit to the authority that is put in, in charge over us. Uh, and secondly, we, we also, we pray. We pray, we pray, we pray. That's all we can really do. And uh, we're praying, of course, for the, um, for the virus to go or a vaccine to be found. Uh, and more than that, we're, we're praying for discernment. I think we at this season need discernment now more than we have ever needed discernment. We want to be, be wise in this season. Um, and, and that means, of course, uh, praying for those uh, in authority. And that means observing the rules that are placed and the laws that are placed here for, for all of us to, to submit to. Uh, but I'm not going to lie, it is incredibly uh, frustrating. And I think the jury's out when it comes to the best approach. There is ambiguity. I think, you know, from a personal perspective, I'm not going to lie. Uh, my, my feeling is... Uh, that the lockdown restrictions, to some extent, cause more harm than good at this stage. And my worry is for the, the impact that will come through job losses, the economic downturn, uh, struggle with, with mental health, and the pressures that were already there before COVID have just become exacerbated because of ongoing lockdown and further restrictions. So it's okay to feel frustrated. It's okay to feel like you want to throw off the chains of, of lockdown. To feel like that is okay. Uh, but we do need to, to live in godly submission to our, our 
leaders and to, to really honor them. And as a minister, we're taking it really, really seriously. Though we might not agree with everything that's happening, we are taking uh, the, the new guidance really seriously. This afternoon, I will meet with the key leaders and we'll talk about how we can continue to operate during this season in a way that honors those guidelines and puts your health uh, and your well-being uh, at the forefront of, of our response. Uh, so, so there's some of my, my thoughts as we head into this season. I didn't want to just gloss over what, what's happened, which is, which is huge for all of us. Um, and just to help us grapple with this as, as Christians. And uh, I sent a video around yesterday. If you're on the WhatsApp group, you might have seen it. But we'd love to be praying for you. If you are particularly affected by these restrictions or, or um, you know, the, the sort of ongoing situation, we would love to be praying for you and lifting you up. Um, but yeah, a particularly tricky season that we're heading into at the moment. And I think it's really apt, actually, that we're, we're looking at the passage of Scripture that we're looking at today. Uh, this is a passage of Scripture that comes to a church that's not in a, it's in a situation similar to our own, if I can put it like that. We're two weeks into a sermon series looking at the small letter of 1 Peter. And this is a letter that was a circular letter. It wasn't written to just one particular church. It was written to several in the province of Asia Minor, which is modern-day Turkey. And it was a letter to encourage Christians who were going through a tricky time and to give them instructions, to give them hope during a time where their faith was being sort of marginalized. And what I love about 1 Peter is it's... Context is very similar to our own. Most of the New Testament is written to Christians who are facing blatant opposition and persecution. Like, you know, mostly the New Testament is written to Christians who are facing violent persecution. And a lot of the, the, the New Testament relates to that and talks about how Christians should respond to that. 1 Peter, by contrast, is written to Christians who are living freely and openly, but their faith is being kind of marginalized and pushed to one side. So that's the, the backdrop of uh, the passage. That's the, the, the backdrop to this passage that we're about to read. And Peter's encouragement to the church is to hold on to hope. And I feel like that's a word for us as well. We need to hold on to hope. We need to imitate Christ as we head into this season. So I'm going to start reading from 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 13. If you've got your Bibles, feel free to get them out, but it will uh, appear on the screens as well. And then we're going to dive in uh, to asking ourselves what this means for us in this season. Verse 13. Therefore, with minds that are alert and fully sober, set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed at his coming. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. I want to talk to you today about, about how your life reflects 
who you belong to, how your life reflects who you belong to. I don't know if anyone's seen the old version of the Jungle Book, you know, the cartoon. Show of hands if you've seen the film Jungle Book, yeah? Well, there's a great point in the film where uh, Mowgli, the main character, the human child, meets King Louis, the king of the apes, the king of the Swinger Zoo, the jungle VIP. He meets that guy. I mean, what a thing to happen, but he does. And King Louis, of course, there's a song, isn't there? And the song goes, I'm not going to sing it, but it says something like, you know, I want to walk like you, I want to talk like you too. Shooby-dooby-doo-wee. And it's basically that song. But it strikes me that that is a good picture of the Christian life. Okay? Jesus is the one we want to emulate. We want to walk like Jesus. We want to talk like Jesus too. You know, we want to be like him. And in this passage, Peter is saying to the church, imitate Jesus. You want to walk like him. You want to talk like him. Be holy because God is holy. That is our call as believers in Jesus Christ. We're called to be holy because God is holy. Now, when you think of holiness, what do you think? What's the first thing that pops into your mind? No need to shout it out. This isn't one of those talks. But when I think about holiness, holiness conjures up pictures of holy people in sort of fancy robes and things like that with sort of pointy hats and their and their heads are sort of usually pointed upwards and they sort of squint down at you and you know that whole phrase um when you know somebody who is acting holier than thou that that's what it conjures up to me when I think about holiness that's what I think but holiness is so much more than that Holiness is a holy, positive thing in the New Testament. J.C. Ryle was the Anglican Bishop of Liverpool in the 19th century. And he speaks of holiness and he tells us what it isn't. He says, Holiness is not knowledge, nor great profession, nor doing many things, nor zeal for certain matters in religion continues that holiness is not morality and outward respectability of conduct, nor taking pleasure in hearing preachers, nor keeping company with godly people. These things alone are not holiness. A man may have any one of them and yet never see the Lord. In other words, holiness is so much more than the outward. It is possible for anyone, be they a Christian or a non-Christian, to live a good, moral, upright life. That is not what is being spoken of in this passage. True holiness, biblical holiness, is so much more. And it speaks of being set apart. If you're a believer in Jesus, you have been plucked by the grace of God, nothing to do with you, just God's grace alone. You have been plucked out of the world and you have been brought into the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of light. That, that is what has taken place if you are a believer in Jesus. You have been set apart. That's what holiness is. That's what it means. And we're called 
to emulate God. I mean, that shouldn't just pass us by. That's a big command, isn't it? Gather around in church on Sunday, and the preacher tells you to go and be like God. That's what the Word says this morning. Be like God. Imitate Him because He is holy. And when you encounter God, and we see this time and time again, Old and New Testament, when we encounter God, our reaction is holy. You know, when they see him in Revelation, they say, holy, holy, holy. When you see God, you can guarantee it that your first question won't be, you know, what happened to my pet snake, Johnny, when I was four years old? You know, we think that we'll ask questions of God like that. You won't. You will just say, holy, other, different, magnificent, awesome. You will just be caught up in the holiness of who God is. And that's the call for us. Who, how you live reflects whose you are. And we are called to reflect God. We are called to live holy lives. But also, how you live will influence others. D.L. Moody, a famous Christian preacher, said, A holy life will make the deepest impression lighthouses blow no horns they just shine i think some lighthouses do blow horns so i didn't want to kind of ruin that for dl moody but you get the point lighthouses shine they are towers of strength that shine in the darkness and jesus is interested in how you reflect him in the whole of your life and it is the whole of your life this week, I had the pleasure of joining our older youth group here on a Tuesday night, and they're looking at different aspects of the Christian faith, different aspects of spiritual disciplines and things like that. And this week, we were looking at simplicity or minimalism. Throughout the ages, the church has called it frugality, which is a bit of a lame name, so we updated it to simplicity um, or minimalism, which is all the rage nowadays, isn't it? Hands up if you've seen any minimalism documentaries on Netflix, something like that, or you follow some minimalism accounts on Instagram or something like that. Um, and what struck me was Jesus is interested in all aspects of our life. Tuesday night, effectively, what we were doing as the older youth, we got together and we looked at the teaching of Jesus, which says, life does not consist in the abundance of your possessions. Do not store up treasure for yourselves on earth where moth and rush, uh, rust destroy. You know, do not kind of put your trust in your possessions. And we were effectively asking ourselves, what does it look like to be a follower of Jesus? who lives in obedience to these scriptures. Like you can call it minimalism, call it simplicity, call it whatever you want. Effectively, in that area of possessions, how does Jesus call us to live? And we could apply this to all aspects of our life, and this is where holiness comes in. Like the distinctiveness of our life is all about making choices that honor the Lord in every aspect of our life. There is no aspect that God is not interested in. And I'm passionate about this because 16 years ago, I walked into a church from a total non-church background and met a bunch of people who were living holy lives. And I don't mean they were monks and nuns. They weren't. They were just regular people living lives 
trying to reflect Jesus and doing a good job of it. And I tell you, as a young person, obviously quite impressionable at that young age, that was massively attractive. When you're empty inside and you see somebody who is reflecting the God of the universe through their lifestyle, through their conversation, through the way that they live and they interact with you and stuff, that is massively attractive. How you live reflects who you belong to. How you live is a witness to the world as well. How you live matters. It influences others. And you can so quickly see what matters to people, can't you? Like if you know people, if you put a list of your top 10 friends down on a piece of paper and you were to write like one word next to them, uh, that, that sort of summed up what they really valued, you would be able to do it. Because if you know people, you know what they value. I had, we had this guy who was a neighbor, a previous place, um, pretty, before we came to Preston, a guy called Kevin. Shout out to Kevin if he's on the chat. He's not, but just in case, you never know. But Kevin used to wash his car three times a week. And I don't just mean wash his car. Kevin came out with a kit. You know, he was buffing that car. He had his toothbrush on the alloy wheels. He had the industrial-sized vacuum cleaner. Kevin loved his car. What was valuable to Kevin? His stuff, his car. If you know people, you know what's valuable to them. It's often easier to see what other people value rather than what we value, isn't it? And that's a hard question that I want to ask you this morning. What do you value? Who are you imitating? The call of this scripture is to be holy like God, but who are you imitating? For the people Peter is writing to, they had been, they'd come out of like this sort of really secular world. And what, what, what that looked like in Peter's day was like worshiping other gods. The culture of the day celebrated drunkenness and debauchery way more than we do nowadays. And Peter says, doesn't he, in verse 14, sort of leave behind those practices. Leave behind your old way of life. Do not conform to your evil desires when you lived in ignorance. By contrast imitate God. By contrast, be holy, be set apart, be faithful, be like God. Imitating God is what we're called to. And imitating God is both our worship and our witness as well. We need to be a bit more like King Louis and want to walk and talk like, not Mowgli, but like Jesus. We want to be like him and emulate him. Holiness is our worship and our witness. We know, don't we, that imitation is the highest form of flattery. If you want to be like someone, copy them. And the question for us this morning is, who are you imitating? If you're a parent, and we've got several in the house this morning, you know that one of the scariest things about being a parent is the fact that your kids copy you. Like they pick up all of your characteristics, good and bad, which is both endearing and also terrifying at the same time. Like they will become 
mini use kind of. It's not as simple as that. But nonetheless, particularly in their early years, they emulate and copy their parents. And that reminds us, doesn't it, that we are all byproducts of our environment. We will imitate that which we see. We will replicate that which we see around us. Particularly in our younger years, from like zero to three, the architecture of the brain is just exploding on hyperdrive and they're just sponges and they soak up absolutely everything and it impacts the, the, the rest of their lives because of what happens in those early years, which like I said, it's both endearing and also terrifying at times as well. The good and bad examples that we set when we're growing show us how we should live. They become what we try to copy and imitate. And I've got to be honest, this is something that I've been grappling with over the last five years, uh, coming from a background of like uh, a teenage mum, a single mum, no dad around or anything like that. Uh, the, the baseline, the normal pattern that I was kind of exposed to from a very young age was all about like a chaotic uh, home environment where there was drinking uh, and domestic violence commonplace. And, and that became my baseline. And as a young man, before I knew Jesus, I could see my life just drifting into that type of trajectory. That, that, that was like where I was heading into. And it's easy to start to imitate good and bad patterns that we, we see around us. And you may have had similar or worse or not as bad an experience in your life, but the call for us is to be holy like God is holy. We can either be victims, and if you've had a difficult hand in life, there's loads of reasons why you can't kind of, you know, sort your life out and stand up on your, your own two feet and make good choices. You can make loads of excuses or you can actually say, no, I'm not going to perpetuate what I saw as a, as a young person, as a child or in life generally. I'm actually going to choose to copy the pattern of Jesus. We can imitate from our pain or we can imitate from purpose. And I want to encourage us this morning to be holy like Jesus. That is what the call of Scripture is to us this morning. We can follow the pattern of our pain or we can follow the pattern of this world or we can follow the pattern of him who has called us out of darkness and into his marvelous light. And the good news is that when you're waking up tomorrow, whether you're still on furlough and it's super frustrating or whether your job security is hanging over you or whether you're just, whether you're looking after the kids at home, whether you're, uh, you're just off to work in the office, the good news is that your life, the way you live a holy life can make an impact in the world. And that's, that's what Jesus did. He came to this earth. He laid down his life, the ultimate expression of selfless love. And he gives us the opportunity to copy him, to be like him. So as we just come into land, I just want to encourage you this week, whatever your situation, you can imitate out of pain or you can imitate on purpose. 
be holy. Because God is holy. And see the impact that that makes in your life and in your world. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much for listening to the Preston Minster podcast. We'll see you again soon.